Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers To Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. Rain again, and he's got it! Gavin was closing in. Oh, Gavin has scored! Abdul Osman against Brad Jones to put Liverpool out of the cup and not after three! Hello, I'm Charles Commons and welcome to Memory Lane. This is a new series from It's All Cobblers to Me, where we're hearing from you, the Northampton Town fans, about your memories following the Cobblers. This time I'm speaking to a fan who has Northampton running through his veins. He is the MC for the club's matchday hospitality and the founder of Track NN, a social enterprise which looks to get people with autism into work. So let's start this episode by finding out where Cafe Track's Tom Cliff wants to take us on his trip down memory lane. It might not come as a surprise to many people, but I'm going to be taking us down a, a route of Chris Wilder, um, but maybe not. Um, the season that everyone's thinking of, uh, mine kind of starts from, from from when he first joined us, really. So obviously you you volunteer at the club, Tom. Um, you were there when Chris Wilder first joined us. What was that like when when he first walked through the door? So I think yeah, in terms in terms of my role um, at the club on a match day, I, I volunteer in the the hospitality lounge, the Grove and Casino Suite. Um, it's something I absolutely love. Like you say, I'm a fan through and through. Um, delighted to help the club out in any way I can. And the club have been brilliant with myself and my family over the years. And I think I think what it did when I started that role was it, it really changed my perspective on on what a football club is. Um, you know, I've always I've never been a very, very quiet fan. I've always been quite vocal in my uh, 
disapproval <laughs> of certain referees and managers over the years. Um, but it, it, it's you do see a different side to it, and actually you see what it means to the players and the staff. And people assume if there's a defeat, players kind of wipe it off. You see people downhearted. Um, you know, we'd obviously gone through a bit of a run before Chris arrived, and 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 to be honest, we we, we looked doomed. Um, as as a fan, um, I annoy people because I'm genuinely quite positive. I'll always be talking about, well, yeah, but even if we're 2-0 down, we could score three. Um, <laughs> but, but, but we, 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 were in, we were in so much trouble when he took over. And it was one of them decisions for, for him to come um, from, you know, second best Oxford um, to, to, to come to us when he did um, was, was unbelievable. But I think, you know, especially with him and with kind of Alan Neil nearly coming with him as well, um, you know, you thought, "Wow, you've got to be, you've got to be brave to take this job on." Because I think if you ask the most positive fan in the world, we we looked done for when they arrived. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we were. It was such a surprise, wasn't it? In terms of managing to basically poach a, a manager from a team that were higher in the division, looking to um, get the playoffs, weren't they at the time, Oxford? I think um, to then come down to a team that were well, right near the bottom of the league, if not bottom at the time was just weird. Absolutely, because because you look at it, and like you say, you know, and you had chats with, with the gaffer at the time after, after he'd come and, and when things were going well, and, you know, Oxford didn't seem to want to offer him an extended contract. I think from anyone's view, he was doing a great job at Oxford. Um, I think like any club at our level, whatever size you are, fan base, however you know, much history you claim to have, fans' expectations always go through the roof. The minute you start doing well, they want you in the Champions League. The minute things don't, they want the manager sacked. And, you know, he he took a huge gamble. And and whether at the time, I don't know what, what the chairman's thinking was at the time, whether it was actually, you know, Chris has got Chris knows how to get out of the conference. Maybe that was maybe that was the, one of the drivers before it. And whilst in public you say, you know, we brought him in to keep us up, there must have been a certain element of thinking, actually, you know, we need to bring people in. Um, confidence seemed seemed sort of rock bottom. And we just didn't seem to be able to buy a win. I mean, looking back through the stats before before he arrived, you know, so many defeats, one nils, two nils here and there. We just didn't seem to be able to buy a win. It's actually really interesting that you say that. I've never thought of it that way in terms of maybe he was coming to us to get us up back into the Football League rather than save us from going down out of it. That's really interesting. That's the first time I've actually even contemplated that. As you say, you're a positive Cobblers fan. I, I'm, I've always been positive to the point where I've always said we won't get relegated from the Football League. Yes, we won't, might get relegated from League One if and when we get back up there, but I, I just, for some reason, I'm so optimistic about always being a Football League club. So, yeah, hearing that, you're, you're probably right. That probably was an element of it. You know, whether that was the case or not, I don't know. I, I, I never asked people at the club at that time because the focus was very much on winning that next game of football and you know, I was a Cobblers fan from 86, 87. I was a glory hunter, joined when we literally steamrolled everyone. I was at Shrewsbury when, you know, at half time, I get goosebumps talking about it now. We we were gone. We were 2-0 down um, and then everything just seemed to come together. You know, we've seen the, the squad pretty much all sacked in one day with the administration. But, you know, this, this felt kind of different because you looked on paper um, and again, there was there was more than enough kind of quality in that team to be nowhere near where you were. You know, you look, you look at the players that were in that squad and it, it just, 
it just things whether they weren't clicking behind the scenes or not. Um, you know, I mean, certain players had kind of have, had been moved on. Um, but when the gaffer came in, you know, his first game I think was Cheltenham away, and you're looking at the team there, and actually there there was quality on that pitch, um, but. At times, people talk about losing dress rooms and this and that. You'd have to ask players that. I don't know. I'm, I'm not part of the playing staff. But, you know, he, he came in and, and kind of, you know, I think his expectations um, were, were there. And he was there to do a job, um, you know, over the years. I've got to say, um, you know, everyone I've kind of worked with at the club, we've kind of gone along with. And, and you know, it's never nice seeing a manager get the sack. I mean, there's one person who I, I won't mention in this because I don't want it coming back to haunt me. But, um, you know, when, when you look at it, actually, he came in and as a management team, it, it, there was never any feeling sorry for ourselves. There was, he was there to keep us up. You know, if you ask the, the, the gaffer that, his his aim was to keep us up. But as a fan, you just, I just, it was almost felt like to me, perhaps our luck's run out. You know, perhaps this is the time when, when things really are going to go, you know, wrong. I mean, Ingy, God bless him, he, he'd come in and taken over on a, on a temporary basis and brought in a couple of uh, younger players. Um, but then, then when you know Chris Wilder came in, um, and you look and, and and what happened between then and the Oxford United game of the season for me, people will talk about Chris Wilder. You know, it was a miracle that he might get in the, the Europa League this year or the Champions. For me, the the, the true miracle of, of his achievement was keeping us in the league that year. Was it like a, a, an almost a, a, a massive switch from the day that he moved, you know, moved into the club, so to speak? You know, could you tell that there was a, a massive shift in the attitude maybe of not just the playing staff, but but the staff as a whole around the club? You know, you, you say how almost we were dead and buried and everybody was sort of thinking, well, you know, this might be it. This might be our last season in the Football League. But Chris Wilder comes in and, and immediately almost turns everything around, doesn't he? Well, yeah. You know, for me, I'm only in the club on a match day. It's the, the, the background staff that are in there day in, day out. that They make my job on a match day really easy. You know, I just live the dream. I get to lead the teams out. I get to interview the players. So I guess they're the people that could tell you what it was like on a day-to-day basis. But I think I think what he what he did straight away was get rid of that feeling sorry for yourself mentality and actually the only thing you can do is work hard and you know his work ethic was unbelievable and the kind of the attention to detail and the players will be able to tell you more kind of about that but you look at actually the change in the playing squad wasn't that huge when he came in Uh, you know it was the same sort of players but what he managed to get out of them was unbelievable and suddenly that extra few percent um you know, I think for me, one of the signings, which I might be wrong here, but I'm sure it was the gaffer that made it the first time, was John Marquis. Um, and he came in as, as a young lad on loan to a team that's pretty much dead and buried. And, you know, in, in one of his first interviews he did, he was down in down with us as, as, a, as a, I think he was man of the match for a particular game. And all he talked about was we and we're in it for this and we're in it for that. And you get some loan signings that come here and they'll talk about you as in, well, your club's in trouble or your club's doing well. It was, no, I'm here to work hard. I want I want to keep us in the football league. Um, and, and for me, his, his attitude there was, was sort of spot on. And I think that kind of, you know, set the benchmark from the, from the players that were there. Um, you know, Xander Diamond's probably one of my all-time favourite Cobblers players. Um, he never made excuses. He, he did his job. He worked exceptionally hard and he, he wanted that from everyone else. Gregor Robertson, who was in that team, um, again, 
Uh, Ricky Ravenhill came in um, and, and did a, that battling job in midfield. And, and you look at that, that the team that, that finished that season, you look at the, the two up front were Ivan Tony and John Marquis, who are now both playing the, the trade at higher levels. Um, you had experience, Gregor Robertson, um, Xander, Diamond was there, Doombay, you know, we, we, we had the players, but what he managed to do was get them playing as a team and he wanted to win games of football. Um, and, you know, you look, you look at the minute and people talk about, um, I've got some Oxford United friends um, <laughs> who, who, when we signed Wilder, their, their comments were, yeah, he'll, he'll probably, he'll do enough for you, but you'll never have a style of football with him. And my answer to that was, I don't care about styles of football. I want my team to win. Um, and actually what he did was, was you know, in, in that, that kind of, what is it, four or five months, I suppose, from coming in in January, was he got us, the winning mentality was there and we would do anything we could to win games of football. And it wasn't perfect every game. It wasn't always pretty. You know, I think we, we all love, most people, if they said they were talking about the wilder years, we'll talk about the, the championship season. And I will mention a few stories from there. But for me, the way he turned that team around was unbelievable. So like you said, there was only very little churn in terms of players. I think it was four players in, four players out or something similar. You've mentioned a few of them there. We obviously do survive. It wasn't even the last day of the season, was it, that it actually went down to in the end? That, for me, was the biggest miracle. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, the thing was, uh, you know, if you talk to me about my all-time favourite kind of away days, Dagenham and Redbridge um, was one of those. I think the Cobblers have actually tweeted out about um, Ian Morris's goal today. And we went into that game and at that point it was still out of our hands. And by winning at Dagenham, what it did, I believe, was took us to the Oxford game, knowing that if we won, we were safe. So we still sort of had to get a result, but it put us in our hands. Um, and that away game at Dagenham, you know, you, you, you look back at it and Ivan Tony. You know, talk about a brave decision. What you what you're going to do in a, in a time when you're, you're you're really struggling? Tony's made a few appearances on the bench. What do you do? You stick him on. Um, he scores. We the crowd go absolutely crackers. Um, Ian Morris has, has put one in. <laughs> I looped it into the top corner from you know. It seemed to take an eternity to go in that goal, but the relief of that day was, was unreal. And to go into the game. You know, you're looking at it when he signs in January, thinking, right, so we've just signed a manager from Oxford who are chasing automatic, if not the playoffs, and we're looking at getting relegated in the last game of the season. We've got to beat Oxford to stay up. Um, and you're thinking, right, here we go. What what happens here? Um, and, and then, again, the lads did their job. Doombay got a goal. Ivan's got a goal. John's got a goal. Um and, and you know the, the crowd went mad, and I think you saw what it what it meant to the people of Northampton again. And I've, I've, I'll, I'll say it a few times: the championship season, it was the same. As Northampton folk, um, and I'm Northampton born and bred, we do love a grumble every now and again. But when times are really tough, we stick together. And you know that those that away day at Dagenham, I think we had more fans than them. You know there seemed to be fans appearing from everywhere. Um, and that Oxford game, the noise at Sixfields, or the peak, as it was then, um, was huge. And and I think for for us that season, you know, we we we'd gone from it, and and you know the celebrations that night were, were great. Um, I think, you know, I don't remember a lot of it if I'm being honest, and certainly not the next <laughs> afterwards. But the, the just that utter relief from 
feeling completely dead and buried. And I think, and I might be wrong, I should have checked my stats before I came on, but <laughs> Bristol Rovers were only in the relegation zone for something like 50 minutes of the season. It might have been even less. It was yeah. a ridiculous figure, considering yeah. we've been in it for, I think it, if it wasn't in 100 days, it was it was a lot of days that we were in that, that zone for. Mm. Um, you know, you, you look at it and it was one of them seasons where actually... Um, we kind of we, we did a tremendous job, um, you know. That, looking at that season overall, um, you know, at one point it looked like the high, highlight would have been Ishmael de Montignac's red card against um, Delhi Ali at MK Dons, but um, but yeah, we managed to turn it round, and 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 that for me was a was a true. He'll never say it's a miracle because they would say it's hard work, and and that's why they're professional football managers, and I'm a supporter. But you know what they did that season was 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 tremendous. So let, let's just move it forward a little bit for you, Tom. So the, the next season, um, 2014-15, the Cobblers finish 12th, um, one place above second best Oxford United, um, which I've only just realised and found that funny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Mate, they'll, be, they'll be celebrating someone above now. <laughs> um, but obviously, you know, there was a bit of churn that season. He, he brought players back to the club like Mark Richards came back. You know, the players that he brought in were all, you know, you look at it at the time and you sort of think, well, were they really players who you would maybe want and, ex- you know, to excite you? And, and they weren't really over the course of that that first sort of summer um, that he had in. Um, I mean, John Joe came in and at the time, I think he was the marquee signing, wasn't he, really, when he first arrived? And, and of course, it didn't work out straight away for him. But you've got the likes of players that come in that, that do then actually feature quite heavily and obviously go down in folklore. You've got Ryan Cresswell, who came in. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm looking on Wikipedia now, and I, I can't believe that this is true, but apparently we paid £150,000 for Cresswell, um, according to this. Um, yeah, but it was the Jan... Luckily, I never get to see the financial figure, so I wouldn't have a clue on that. I, 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 <laughs> no. I, I can't remember that. I remember being delighted when we signed him because he's he's one of them players who, whenever he played against us, you know, always uh, scored. Yeah, there, there, and thereabouts, and you, you remember him. And and you know, for me, I think I mentioned it earlier on, but you look at when I talk about expectations, you know, so we stay up on the last day of the season against Oxford. Wild has done a tremendous job. It then gets to July, we're all a bit bored because there's no football and all of a sudden we decide, well, if he's done that next year, we've got to be champions. Um, <laughs> you know, and it, it's gone from, you can't go from being bottom two all year round to, to, to being there and it, it took some time to turn it round. And, and this, this this won't be a, a popular opinion, obviously, what's happened since, but 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 Chris was, was lucky to get through December. Um, I mean, when you look, I think we went on a run of... I think we, I can't know without having the stats in front of me, but we'd only won one in 10 or 11. It, I'm sure it was horrendous. We were getting beat left, right and centre. And actually, you know, at the time it could have been easy um, for a chairman to say, right, we, we need a change of heart again. This isn't working. And it wasn't, you know, we weren't horrendous, let's be clear, but because we'd started quite positively. We'd had some decent wins. But then you look at, you talk about influential signings, um, and yes, you've got uh, Crezer, who was tremendous. Uh, but you then start talking to the likes of Joel Byram. You look at um, Jason Taylor, Ricky Holmes. And these these are the names that you start seeing, um, you know, they go down in folklore. For me, Jason Taylor was probably one of the most underrated players we've ever had. And he did get some credit, but the work that he did 
made it possible for everyone else to do some of the nicer stuff. You know, Ricky Holmes, I'll never forget when we signed him on loan. Um, he got man of the match, I'm pretty sure, in his first home game. I'd asked a, a friend who was a Pompey fan, you know, tell me about Ricky Holmes. Um, and, and, you know, someone said to me, oh, he's the laziest player we've had. He's, he looks disinterested. And I was like, oh, OK, you know, we'll wait and see. Um, Brendan Maloney came in. Um, you know, people on, on online, are, oh, he's not very good. Jason Taylor, I think it was Cheltenham he signed from. Um, and they're saying, oh, he's the worst player. We're glad we've got rid of him. And then they've come to us and, you know, Ricky Holmes in his first game, just you just thought, wow, where's this lad come from? Um, and, and all of a sudden, you know, through player management or whatever it was with, with, with John Joe, he's suddenly gone from a player who was really struggling and I think had pretty much been told, you know, you, you go one or two ways. We're, we're offering you out on loan, but no one wants you. Uh, um, and you look during that season, a few other players, we signed Billy Bowden, never really happy for him at the Cobblers, then went on to score... Lots of goals everywhere, <laughs> but for me, that you know, you start talking about that team then that that, that forms the championship team. You, your Creswells, your Joel Byrams, your Xander Diamonds, your, your Jason Taylor. You've then got these players in that were gonna create things, and it, you know, that season you can almost just define it. It's the perfect transition season in many ways. You finish twelfth. You know, you look back now, Burton had run away with the league. Tranmere and Cheltenham had gone down. You could you could almost argue that that was the season we perhaps needed um, to, 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 to look, rebuild for him, you know, the gaffer to be able to get the squad. And then you fast forward um, to Bristol Rovers away. And again, you know, you look at, you look at the team there and, and during that season, some of the names, I've got the spreadsheet in front of me now for, for that season and, you know, I remember signing Dominic Calvert-Lewin and someone, be, you know, not a million miles from me saying what we're doing, signing another unknown player. Um, and, and and the gaffer signed players who, even though, you know, at the Cobblers and the Stevens, I don't think hugely did um, huge amounts when he was with us. Um, but look at now, you know, these are players who he's, he's kind of stuck with. And I think to be a player under him must have been, a fantastic feeling and you look at the loyalty he has throughout that even now you know the funny stories that are appearing on Twitter at the moment between Nicky Adams and Ricky Holmes and the stories of the free kicks at Luton and all of these things that <laughs> you know you, you've got to credit you know what an unbelievable talent there and and, and, and what a kind of management team you know you, you Wilder, Nilly and Matt Pressridge the three of them uh, uh, what they've gone on to do. I mean, would, where would you rank that management team? I mean, I, I don't want to say just Chris Wilder because it is the three of them. They've gone on to have great success after us and, and having had it before as well with the, with the previous clubs that Chris was involved with. Um, but where, where would you rank them in, in terms of management teams throughout, the, throughout all of those managers that you've seen at the Cobblers, Tom? Well, I, th- I think for me, you know, early days, I'm looking the 86-87 season. Um, you know, I was, I was five and six. Um, so I remember going to games. I remember you just went and we won. It was it was as simple as that. I only really went to the home teams, and obviously Graham Carr for me there is that iconic manager still. Um, every time he, he says hello, Tom, I'm like Graham Carr knows my name. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> um, I still get a bit starstruck around Graham and and getting to know him now. What what a wonderful person he is. And you look at other people throughout the times there. You know Ian Atkins um, for me. Took took me took my my hometown team to Wembley for the first time ever. Literally every man and his dog 
went to Wembley that day for two years in a row, and he made us feel like we were unbeatable. You know, he, if you look back at the season and the football, was it great? No, but you don't remember that, do you? You don't remember the, the, the Dower nil-nil game where we've then gone and won it in the last minute through a set piece and we've done everything. It, it goes without saying, and this isn't to say there won't be better in the future, but... You know, you know, in my generation of supporting the Cobblers, I don't think you can compare that management team to others. I think, you know, A.D. Boothroyd as a person was always loved to myself and my family on match days, you know. And it, it's, it's never nice seeing management teams move on. But for me, what, what those three managed to get out of, of, of players was, was fantastic. And they're the memories that stick forever. And I think, you know, the, the danger is, you know, I'm I'm talking about it now because it's what we're talking about. It's reminiscing. It's it's down memory lane, but actually, I, I think we we have to as a club move on. And we've, you know, I think expectations, like I say, change. For me, the gaffer this year, um, tremendous. And you look again at as a management team, um, as a group of people, they're lovely. And and I don't mean that in a, a soft way. I mean when you look at them together. And the, the effort that goes in behind it at a game, I think people just assume it's a bit like football manager. You turn up, <laughs> pick a team and off you go and you, you click play. The work that goes in behind the scenes is unbelievable. And actually, you know, you, you look at the transformation when 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 uh, the current gaffer came in, we were in trouble. There's no doubt about it. And it's not just about, it's about mentality. It's about everything. And he turned us round this season. Again, at this point in time, you know, let's put it in context. We don't know whether this season will ever finish. And that's that's only going on things that people have said in line. But you look at the comparisons, and yeah, while I'm not comparing them as people, actually this season, if we can finish in the top ten, yeah, of course I want us to go up. You never start a season saying I want to finish in you know thirteenth. Um, but if we were to finish in the top ten, to then move forward again next year, that's the big challenge. And and actually, I think some of the characters we've got within the squad now. You look at your Alan McCormacks. Um, that, that kind of are influential. Nicky Adams, who, you know, is probably going to assist me in this podcast in a minute because he's, you know, he, he's that influential. And you look at the characters that are in there and I don't I don't think there's, there's many kind of people that you wouldn't want there anymore. Whereas, you know, at, at times, you know, players fit and sometimes things click. You know, if you'd have said to me, um, the lad Bulldog would be a Premier League player at the time when Gary Johnson was managing him, I'd, I'd have probably said, you're joking, but look look at what they've gone on to do. And I think people are quick to judge. And, you know, for me, I think you look back at, you talk about memory lane. I used to love ringing up team talk on a Thursday night, crowding around the phone with my dad and listening to the the gossip from, from the football world. You know, after about 15 minutes and a pound a minute, you've got some news. Um, <laughs> but the problem is now, um, I think online it gives everyone a platform to, to to be pretty harsh at times, and I think criticism is one thing when it's deserved, but it gets a bit personal when you know everyone's got an opinion on everything, and ev- there's a replay on every angle. And you know, well, one of the things that that I've often, you know, I have to go up and get the man of the match on 85, 88 minutes from the sponsors, and you sometimes sit, and there might be the assistant manager sat up there, and they'll they'll be talking about things in the game which you haven't even noticed, you know. You, we might be attacking down the right wing and they're actually looking at the fact that the left back's out of position and that's going to lead to a counter-attack and then it happens. And you kind of, well, how have they done that? Because, you know, I go there, I go to shout, um, I go to support and, and, and that's what we're there to do. But but no, in terms of management teams, I'll answer your question, I've turned into a politician here, haven't I? Yeah, they, <laughs> they, they, um, they sort of, they have, they have to be the best, um, best yet during my generation. 
Um, hopefully there'll be lots of competitors for that title in, in the coming years. Thanks to Tom there. And as I said at the start, Tom does run Cafe Track. And unfortunately, at this moment in time, the cafe is closed due to the coronavirus pandemic. But there are ways that you can support him and his business. Simply go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash cafe track. And there you'll be able to buy Tom a virtual brew. That will actually help to keep the cafe going for as long as possible so that hopefully they will be able to reopen when this is all done and dusted and we return back to normal life. Tom's also running world-famous stand-up bingo every Saturday at 2.15, and all you need to do to actually enter that is to go and buy him a coffee on buymeacoffee.com forward slash cafe track and leave 15 numbers between 1 and 90 inclusive for you and then turn up on Facebook, on the Cafe Track Facebook page on Saturdays at 2.15 and he will then play a game of the world-famous stand-up bingo. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. We've got loads more to come on this series of Memory Lane. And if you'd like to take part, then do get in touch. We're at Cobblers to Me on Twitter. You'll find us on Facebook by searching for It's All Cobblers to Me. And you can send us an email through our website, which is cobblerstome.com. Thanks for listening. I'll be back on Tuesday for our weekly edition of It's All Cobblers to Me. And this week, you're in for a treat because it's quiz time. Get your pens and papers ready, boys and girls. See you Tuesday. Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers to Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.